Welcome to the Catholic Youth Podcast, a podcast that will encourage and inspire you in engaging with young people in Catholic youth ministry. I'm Juliana, and in today's episode, Chaplaincy and Spiritual Care, I'm sitting down with Pauline Connell. Pauline is the Acting Manager of Hospital and Prison Chaplains in the Archdiocese of Adelaide. In this conversation, Pauline will talk us through what is chaplaincy and where you would find a chaplain, stories from her own chaplaincy journey, and top tips on how to give spiritual care. So let's jump right into my conversation with Pauline. So Pauline, welcome to the Catholic Youth Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's so lovely to sit down with you and I can't wait to dive into this topic and hear more of your stories and experiences. To start us off, could you just briefly introduce yourself and let us know, how did you get into chaplaincy? Yes, uh, my name is Pauline. This is my third year as a chaplain, um, but prior to that, I've worked for over 13 years in parish ministry, so I had lots of exposure and experience there. And I guess after time, it's it's good just to think about where we might head next. Yeah. The opportunity of chaplaincy came up and for me, I thought, yeah, I do like variety, which is good because I've now ended up with three distinct roles. <laughs> Lots so, of variety. Yeah. yeah, so two days a week I work at, as a chaplain, one part of the chaplaincy team at the Women's and Children's Hospital. Wow. Two days a week I work as one of the chaplains in the women's prison, both times representing the, the Catholic Church, but we work in ecumenical teams. Sure. And uh, the other day of the week, I support the chaplains um, as the acting manager this year across the hospitals and prisons, um, essentially in Adelaide in the public hospital system. Wow, that's fascinating to know and really quite a mixed bag of different things. It's very mixed. So I guess for me, how did I end up in chaplaincy? When I was thinking about the part of my work in parish-like as as a pastoral associate, what was I enjoying the most? And it was really those conversations with people, sitting down, just listening, just being there, to be with them in the the good times and the more challenging times, the times of bereavements Mm. or just chatting, you know, after mass, that sort of thing. And I thought, yeah, that's the bit that I really like. So I guess that takes me into chaplaincy. Yeah. And um, what is chaplaincy? And it's really about listening. Yeah. At the core of it. Wow. Mm. And how beautiful that, you know, in a ministry engaged in that you're able to pick out, okay, what part of this really draws me out and uses my gifts and talents? And so that's kind of, I'm guessing, what attracted you to chaplaincy in the first place. Yeah, so I had done some study. I had done my um, Bachelor of Ministry and then I was doing a Master's of Ministry and in that the pastoral counselling was a stream that was another option and I thought that's what I really enjoyed. So that's what I started to to work towards and uh, those, those skills of listening and responding and, you know, helping people perhaps to clarify what it is that's perhaps troubling them or just making them feel a little bit unsettled yeah so it really is a ministry of presence and a ministry of listening yeah to the point of at the children's hospital we have sometimes little um, badges with our names on it and I was trying to think what would be an appropriate sort of symbol to have on there I was thinking an angel I thought that's a bit presumptuous 
Uh, I was trying to think of all sorts of things and then I thought, this is about listening, so I've got an elephant's face on there. Oh, because they're good. They've got the big ears. They've got the big ears. So if nothing else, and it's come back to me a couple of times that I can explain to, particularly on the children's side, you know, see this, do you know why I've got this? It's got big ears because my job is listening. Wow. So I've heard back from other chaplains saying, yeah, there, there was a lady here and she had an elephant. <laughs> and <laughs> Who's listening. that elephant lady? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully not the in? elephant lady. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, but looking at it and you think if they've learnt something in that, that there's someone here whose job it is to listen. Yeah. Because one of the most powerful things we can do, one of our greatest needs is to feel heard. Wow. And in, in a world where there's so much noise and so many different distractions, how special, like especially when people are in crisis or having great difficulty to have a safe space, a safe person to listen to them. I feel, mm. I feel at peace just, just hearing that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, is, it is such an important gift yeah. to give to someone else, to sit there and my whole role, my whole purpose is to listen to you. Not to try and fluff your pillows or make you feel better or turn your pain away or anything like that. It's just to listen. And what you've got to say is your story. Yeah. I can't wait to unravel that more, especially in the sense that when we talk about, you know, evangelisation or giving the good news and things, usually people think of going out and preaching and speaking, but know that people have their own story, their own wisdom, their own experiences. So being present to that and allowing that to unravel. Oh, I'm very keen. (laughs) I'm very keen to pick your brain and hear things because I really do, since coming to know you and knowing of the work of chaplains, it's really been a testimony to me that we have these wonderful people in our archdiocese, in these places, being listeners and being out there, really the hands and feet of of our church. So for those who who don't know what is chaplaincy, what is a chaplain, could you maybe explain a little bit about what chaplain is and generally where would you find a chaplain? Okay so historically it actually comes if my memory serves me correctly from the defence forces. Okay. So they realised that um, for those who were perhaps serving on the front lines or they needed some sort of support particularly as maybe they themselves were dying or those around them were and they needed the padre. Yeah. So it was and it still is traditionally an ordained person's sure. role. Yep. So some denominations are uh, more strict in that, that mm-hmm. you, you can't be called a chaplain unless you are ordained. Sure. And that's fair enough. I think sometimes it's wise to use the language that people tend to understand. Yes. So in our experience, if I say I'm from spiritual care or pastoral care, pastoral, if you come from the country, might sound like you're out tending the yeah, sheep. true. <laughs> No, that's actually not what we're on about. Spiritual care to some people can sound a bit aloof. new age. New age and out there. Um, Chaplaincy, they go, oh, yeah, maybe they remember watching MASH or something on TV. And they go, oh, yeah, Padre, yep, okay. So somewhere within those um, labels we find something that works for people. Yeah. So it's really, really listening to people and honouring their story. Yeah, yeah. So uh, 
from that, where do you find chaplains? Certainly in the Defence Forces. Yeah. We have them in hospitals. So, as I said, the chaplains that I work with are in the public hospital system, but the private hospitals often have their own spiritual care or chaplaincy departments too because it's been recognised that spiritual care is a really important part of our being and can have a positive and a negative impact on our health, well-being and our ability to heal or to sit with something comfortably. So lots of the hospitals have worked out that that's actually a a really important area that's not just something you can call someone in. There's someone on call all the time. time. There's someone available that that's actually their role. Yeah. So hospitals, um, as I said, I'm in the prisons. So, again, we cover the men's and the women's in the metropolitan area. There are some volunteers that go into the country prisons as well. Probably a lot of people would be familiar with school chaplaincy services. So um, that's across the Catholic system and the independents and the state public schools as well. So it's important just to have that presence there that it's someone different to talk to that might hear something differently. It can be meaning making for people. It can be having someone to sit with you while you ask those really hard questions of you know, why me? Yeah. How did this happen? Why does this happen to me? You know, how can a, how can you say God loves me and this happens? Yeah. This happened to my child. So it's it's sitting with people in some of those really challenging Difficult. times. Yeah. Um, not suggesting at all that we've got all the answers, mm. but just to even be there so that someone doesn't feel alone in that space can be really helpful. Yeah. And I like that to be that sort of safe person or safe place. It clarified things for me when you mentioned that it's something that is deemed important. So even in, you know, public hospitals, that spiritual care, having designated people who are trained, um, who are able to sit in the murky, challenging circumstances and listen, um, in addition to the physical care, having the medicines, your nurses, your doctors, Mm -hmm. um, that this space is really important as well. So thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. So for chaplains like yourself, you know, either in prisons or in hospitals and other places, what would a regular or should I say irregular day look like? Okay. I don't think a regular day exists. (laughs) Because, yeah. yeah. Um, And that's, you know, one of the interesting things for me. It can be a little bit challenging, but often you have no idea what you're turning up to. Yeah. You might be picking up a conversation from the previous day, but you might also be a number of um, chaplains work part-time. So it might be a couple of days between seeing someone and being able to catch up with them again. A day can be um, perhaps in the hospital collecting the list of people who have um, identified as Catholic and visiting them, following up with Mm. them. Also within the hospital system, as I said before, we work as part of an ecumenical team. Sure. And we're working often in quite a secular space. Yes. So we're all allocated uh, a ward area or a couple of spaces that we would visit either across the day or across the, the few days that you are present in the hospital. And that can be cold calling on people, wow. which is a little bit challenging sometimes and that's often the the times you come in and identify as either pastoral care spiritual care chaplain or whichever and you sort of pick the one that someone's eyes light up at um people sometimes have a preconceived idea as to what that might be 
Um, some will respectfully say, no, I don't need any of that. That's fine. We always visit, always visit with their permission. Sure, sure. It's not a matter of we are here and this is what we think or we think we know you need. This is about being another service and an opportunity to you and if people choose not to engage with that, that's, that's fine. fine. Mm-hmm. I think often my experience is that people are really surprised that they didn't actually know yeah. that there was A, a service or B, that they did actually want to talk about something that was bothering them or that they felt they weren't really able to speak to someone else or they've just received news and they're trying to process that out loud and yeah. just to be able to do that. So it's sitting with people in all sorts of situations. We're respectful of the other services and professionals that are there as well. We're there to sort of to complement and to, and to help that service and, and for the people for families, caregivers, the parents, and it might be grandparents, it might be whoever is there who um, they might be needing just a little bit of support to to have someone that can be alongside them as a regular face and can be really helpful. Yeah, someone different from their circles who is carrying that hope and that that gentle presence. Yeah, it's beautiful. And in the the prisons, I'm sure that would look maybe a little bit different from being in the hospital. Yeah, so again, in the prison system, um, a day is not necessarily particularly um, predictable. We, um, in the men's system, they make appointments and they can catch up that way. That doesn't happen in the women's system. So it's a bit about availability and if... The residents, as we try to refer to them as the men or the women or the residents rather than calling them prisoners and labelling them, Um, just to be there as a friend. They may feel or they may actually have been rejected by family and friends. So they can feel very isolated in that. They can feel very labelled. They can feel very shamed. So to have someone that will come and just listen and be with them and bring a non-judgmental, well, that's certainly our aim, approach to yeah. them and just just to be there. And, again, they can tell their story. They're part of the story that they choose to tell. We are there, again, just to listen and to respect them. And certainly, again, in my experience, a number of them have said they've not actually felt particularly listened to in the past. Yeah. And you think that's just such a basic human need to have been denied that maybe from childhood and to feel that the only time anyone listens to me is really when they're gearing up to tell me off or to shame me or all of those sorts of things. So they can be very broken people. Again, you might be there and you see someone that you've been seeing for the last few years and it's like catching up with someone that you know, you know, reasonably well. Again, they tell the part of the story to you that yeah. they are, are comfortable with. Yep. Um, it's, again, purely on their terms. If they want to see you, they do. If they don't, that's okay. They stay as long as they like. Yeah, but upholding that <coughs> and giving them the option and the dignity that we all have a story and 
we all have spiritual needs. They might, and you know, look differently for different people. But mm. if we don't give people that opportunity, how do we move forward? How do we heal? How do we navigate these challenges? Yeah. So, oh, that's uh, yeah. and often a, a lot of our conversations, only across in both spaces, we're not necessarily talking to Catholics sure. or Christians or people of any faith. There might be a something they're not quite sure how they would name it. Or they might just deny everything, but they appreciate mm. having someone there who's attentive just to them. Because yeah. we see generally in the prison it's one-on-one, not always, but most often it's sort of one-on-one. Yeah. So people have the, the freedom to, to talk about what it is that might be weighing on their hearts or their minds or their souls or however they would describe that. Um, other times they might just want to talk about their kids. Yeah. So yeah. often, you know, God explicitly is not part of the conversation, mm-hmm. but hopefully it's that Christian value of honouring someone and respecting them, being there and letting them know that they are valued. Yeah. And, you know, if, if the opportunity arises... You're there. Yeah. Yeah. But for them to know that they are loved by God. Yeah particularly in the prison system when they can feel very rejected and down in so many ways, it's okay. You know, that's when we can have those deeper conversations about if you've really looked into yourself and you are really sorry, and particularly for us in the Catholic tradition, we can organise for a priest to come and minister to them so that they can receive the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And they will certainly talk about the great value that that is to wow. them. To be able to facilitate that, but just to have that ongoing conversation of, yes, you are worthy, yes, you are loved by God, can be really very powerful. That Yeah, that's blown me away. And in upholding other people's dignity, we uphold everyone's right to yeah. see everyone as a beloved child of God. Wow. Thank you for mm. sharing that. I'd love to pick your brain and know more a bit about the stories of your experience as a chaplain. If you could tell me about a time when you were, you know, ministering as a chaplain that you really felt affirmed in what you were doing, like that moment where you think, ah, oh, this is why I do what I do, where you really felt sort of empowered by that, maybe you felt the presence of God in that moment. If I reflect on you know, being in the women's prison, sitting with someone and just reflecting and and over a number of visits them gaining their trust in you that they can deepen that relationship and and go a little bit further so you can start to put a little bit more into it or develop a theme and there was someone that I was visiting and we had the theme of light Mm. and uh, I think she had picked up on it much more than what I realized I was doing it initially and as she reflected probably 12 months after I'd been seeing her initially. She said, yeah, that whole idea of light and, and move wow. towards the light and, you know, that, that whole imagery of, you know, imagine a, a candle in a room with the light on and now turn the light off. So in the darkest times, you know, that's when the flame shines it's the brightest. brightest. Wow. So that was really powerful for her because she was obviously sitting in a prison which is not where she had ever imagined she would or could be and yet she was that was the reality and you know to feel very abandoned and alone by everything and everyone but just to say you know there's this flame that that was something that in the week between the visit 
she could reflect back on and it was an image that was easy to bring to mind that gave her some comfort and it gave her some focus yeah that was really powerful for her and it was actually powerful for me to hear back too that you know sometimes that that simple imagery is so valuable so important and um, that's something that you can leave them with yeah I think that's really helpful I guess in the hospital, you know, being with a family who's just lost their baby is a very privileged position to be enormously sad, challenging, you know, for whatever reason, but just to be able to be with them and to affirm them and their love of their child. And I borrow a line from Father Dennis, Passionist Priest, that this baby has only ever known love. Yeah. And that... For me, that stuck with me and I've told him that I've used it on several occasions now. He's given you the copyright. (laughs) I don't know, but I've acknowledged him publicly now. Um, (laughs) But it's just such a a beautiful thing for people to be able to hold on to. The only, only emotion this child has known really is the love that you have shown them. And that can be transforming on people's faces. You can actually sort of see their faces relax a bit and their shoulders drop and feel like, Yes, they can connect with that. Yes, that is exactly how we have been with this baby. And this is not the way we wanted the story to end, but that's the reality. I think sometimes we think that we can't approach these conversations because we don't know what to say or we don't know what to do. But having things that are just, you know, simple, you know, symbols or words of light and love and hope, um, that can just be what people need to hear in the moment, I guess. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. I'd agree. Um, it doesn't need to be complicated. It doesn't have to be a deep theological type conversation. Yeah. It's just presence. Yeah, and trusting that you know in the moment what to do. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. And to to sit with someone, but they are the expert in their story. Mm. They are the one that knows their story. And even if someone else were to come into the room and say, that's not how it happened or this is not what it is, is really quite irrelevant. Yeah, They're talking about how it is for them from their perspective right here and now. Yeah. I have a friend that says there's uh, three sides to a story, my side, your side and the truth, <laughs> right? So you're right, you know, there's different people's perspectives and how they felt in that moment. Mm. And That's yeah. right. And, and often what we are doing is, you know, validating their feelings. Yeah. And their, their right to have those feelings. Mm. We might feel differently, but that's actually how they feel. Um, and that's, that's the starting point. That's a great place to start in itself. And in doing that, I was hoping that maybe you could share a few tips for people listening. They might not necessarily be in a hospital or be in a prison, but we certainly all do have maybe conversations or situations in our life where we think, what should I say? Should I, you know, provide a spiritual edge to that, especially if we are spiritual people or belong to a church community? So how do we know when we can provide spiritual care? Like, can anyone do it? Would you encourage anyone to do it? I think that we all do and again it goes back to us as Catholics we're all baptised Mm -hmm. so we all have a need and a responsibility. We've received the gifts of the Holy Spirit so if we think back to that you know wisdom, knowledge, right judgment, those sorts of qualities that we particularly remember that we receive at confirmation, 
we've got them there. Tapping into that, it might be a quick prayer. And I would say most chaplains will pray to themselves at the very least as they walk out of the room about to start their visits. And if you know that you're going to something that's going to be particularly challenging, yep, certainly be praying to that. But for all of us, I think we all have been given two ears. You know, some would say two ears, one mouth. So listen twice as much as we do speaking listening to really hear what they're saying and sometimes the listening is in the gaps what's Mm. not said and you know the wondering questions are are very helpful I wonder were you thinking this I wonder when you said that this is what I heard is this what you meant you know so that's clarifying as well they get to say no 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 it wasn't that this is what I mean or it might be Oh, yeah, you've just put the words there. I haven't been able to find the words, but yes. So when you've reflected back to them, that's what they wanted to say. So that can be really reassuring that they have felt heard because you've heard what they've been trying to say. Mm. Sometimes it's sitting in the silence. Yeah. Oof. That's right. A A number of people can find that really uncomfortable, but if you can just sit there and allow them the time all that experience. We live in such a fast-paced world that we don't often just sit and experience our own thoughts and feelings, let alone to sit with someone else. Sometimes we don't need to do anything other than just sit there. Mm. If we know or if we ask, you know, do you have a faith background? And that is, you obviously work out if that's appropriate to ask or not. Sure. And... If it is, you know, rely on your senses and if they say, oh, no, I don't know why you'd think that, well, that's okay. I said, no, that's okay. I'm just Just wondering where I might be able to, you know, be with you or connect with you or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, again, it's giving them the authority over their story, the expertise over their story. Yes, we come with our gifts, but we need to be guided in that by or how engaged they want to be in that conversation. If we've got it wrong, then we can act in humility. Okay, sorry, that's really helpful that you could clarify that for me. Or, yeah, I was just wondering that. They know their story the best. So if we can allow ourselves to be guided by that, but not to be afraid to perhaps prod a little bit deeper, Mm. if that seems appropriate. If they're obviously not in the the Mm. state of mind or don't have the capacity for it then no that's not the place to be doing it but if there's some sort of hint that maybe staying with them and and taking them a little bit further that that might be appropriate then that's a good thing to do it's okay to lean into that Yeah. yeah to lean into it to you know particularly around bereavements and things to use the person's name to be brave enough to be with them in their pain yeah don't skirt around it yeah, practice that in a, a less threatening you know, sure. state as well for yeah. yourself. So to be mindful of that, we have a responsibility not to wander off into a space that we don't have skills and abilities in. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly something very aware of as chaplains. We're not counsellors. We're not the social worker. We're not the psychologist. We're certainly not the psychiatrist. No. We're there as a fellow human being who can give you this time. And that's, yeah, really touched me and kind of given me a bit of encouragement that when these situations or potential conversations or things pop up that we we are equipped we can just be that loving listening person 
yeah in that space well thank you so much pauline it's really been touching for me to hear your stories and experiences today before i let you go i've just got one final question what's one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to yourself back when you started out in chaplaincy if you could go back in time and give yourself a piece of encouragement or advice I think it would be just to be, just to listen to, recognise the honour and the, the the privilege of it is to sit in this space and to hear and hold someone else's story, to really appreciate that, whether that's sitting in silence and certainly that's been reinforced to me, just, just being able to sit in silence with someone can be really very powerful. Also to be able to reflect and have conversations but just to just to know that sitting in silence and that might be having recognising that the spirit is there with us or Mm -hmm. that might be something I recognise, it might not be something from their tradition, but just to be there together. I think another part is just to be open to the variability and the unexpectedness of what this role is and brings and to trust what it is that we bring and to know that if there is a challenging conversation or a conversation you think, oh, that didn't quite go how I planned, to trust in that debriefing that you go back and do with the other chaplains. I guess one other really important element of our self-care is not just those debriefing times but to use pastoral supervision sort of use the analogy before that if we don't look after ourselves if we don't have boundaries around who and how we are in Mm. our ministry then can you imagine one of those spongy dishcloth things and you keep wiping up mess you keep absorbing stories and keep wiping and then when it gets really full it just starts to leak a bit and if you try to wipe over the surface with that it just sort of leaves a smudge and a smear so you're not really being very effective what you're offering is just kind of messing with the top it hasn't um, worked well yeah so if we don't do that the only way to change that situation is to wring out the Mm. sponge and that would be equivalent to burnout yeah we don't want that for anyone in ministry and certainly not for the chaplains either so to avoid that we need to make sure that we are regularly downloading if you like some of those stories and um, occasions so that we can have the capacity to continue to hear stories and to be present Mm-hmm. truly with people self-care is a really really important element of chaplaincy sure. and any any ministry role thank you so much pauline that's so encouraging thanks for coming on today and wish you all the best with your, your the future work and ministry that you do in chaplaincy thanks juliana it's been a pleasure to be able just to to sit and think and um yeah. to explore a little bit you know about what what chaplaincy is what my part of it is um but just reflecting too across what i um, learned with the other chaplains it's great ministry it's great work oh so good to hear mm. it's a privilege thank you thanks so much thank you for listening to the catholic youth podcast Make sure to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Adelaide to stay up to date with all the latest information, resources and events. Until next time, see you.